0: Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by Sean Blumgren and Andrew Penny from Central Iowa. On our show, we discuss all things agronomy, high-yield management, and give you real-time updates on what we're seeing and hearing in the field. We will also gain insight from industry professionals as we bring you relevant and timely information on current agronomic practices. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to a penny for your thoughts. Um, I am excited uh, to be back. Um, Andrew, introduce our guest this week. Yeah, Sean, thank you. Uh, I, I'm pretty
1: excited. Uh, this is our so this is our first guest that we've actually got the the recommendation to interview from one of our listeners. Yep. You know, we've had a number of topics that people have given us, and so I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Dr. Santiago Mideros from the University of Illinois uh, Urbana-Champaign. Uh, Santiago, how are you doing?
2: very well thank you thank you thank you for the invitation and uh thank you for uh your listener who uh recommended i hope uh, i can give some a good uh the, pr- <laughs> the, pr- the pressure's on now huh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah set a pretty high bar um dr medeiros we start our show with the with the same question for our guest which is um, tell us. Uh, well, first, I guess before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your your um, your education, your current role, um, and kind of what you're passionate about in the agronomy space.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I um, um, as you, your listeners might notice by my accent, I, uh, I was born and raised in Ecuador uh, and in South America. I then I moved um, to the Ohio State University for my <laughs> master's. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, Love it. <laughs> plant, in plant pathology uh they're working with uh, uh on soybeans with Dr. Andorans and uh, after that I moved to uh get a PhD in um, um also plant pathology at Cornell University working on mm-hmm. uh the genetics of plant disease resistance uh on, specifically on, on corn there um uh and, well, I worked for a few years with uh, BASF Plant Sciences. Uh, and then I moved to uh, the University of Illinois here uh, as a plant pathologist in the Department of Crop Sciences. And here I work on um, the the overall research uh, goals in my lab are, are, are to... Uh, there's many, but 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 some of the um, focus is on studying plant pathogen variants, right? So uh, either we call them different things. We call them strains, we call them races, pathotypes. Uh, They are variants uh, of these uh, organisms that are causing disease. We want to know how they arise. And um, uh, while we're doing that, we want to monitor and see if there is new variants out there that uh, could mean um, trouble or not. And um, some of the things we work, for example, we're working on a paper now that how uh, with resistance affects the populations of Fusarium graminiarum that causes Fusarium head blight. And uh, so first, uh, one of the cool things that we're finding there is that it's opposite of what we first thought, right? So the more susceptible varieties seem to have the most aggressive strains on there, the, mo- the most aggressive variant. Mm. So th- in this case, it seems like the uh, the this, uh, this is small, uh, increases on resistance that had been happening in the in the last uh, decades, thanks to breeding efforts, will eventually solve that problem of Fusarium head blight uh, if if things continue going in that route. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so th- that's an example of things we do. We, uh, we also study host resistance uh, a little bit. We have a, a a starting project on that with with lithium, uh on corn, but. We can go into more details yeah, as we go forward, I suppose.
0: Well, we we like to start with kind of a, um, not necessarily related to our specific topic of conversation question, which is just in agriculture today. What has you the most excited?
2: Well, there's so many things right now. I think, and and we can go also. Uh, Integ- the integration of all these n- new knowledge, right? So there is so much uh, new knowledge about the genetics, uh, about the uh, inputs that we're putting. at there is a uh, uh, this um, um, digital agriculture, or, 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 or what I will call it, the uh, the uh, integration of all the technologies that that is so much that is hard to just one person uh, uh, understand. So we yeah. we need uh, help from computers for that. And uh, I think that's part of the, the reason I, I went into studying these um, pathogen variants, because I think we understand a lot of things uh, now about the genetics. That we understand even about weather, right? So we, we're st- understanding a lot more how weather changes uh, uh, the, the, the performance of, of varieties or, or, or diseases. But, but we don't know much about those... Um, the variants of the pathogen, we don't know a lot about uh, how pathogens are changing uh, or, or, or they are also living organisms. So they have uh, a lot of genetics there and they, they are evolving and uh, and trying to be able to generate enough information from the pathogen site so that they can be integrated into these uh, predictive models um, that go into um, yeah, being, being more... Uh, uh, yeah, able to predict the future, right? So that, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I think is the goal of science. <laughs> yeah.
0: We we have a at this point it'd be unreleased, but recently recorded podcast with uh, Dr. Sean Conley from uh, Wisconsin, and it's fascinating to think about and and parallels with what you're talking about, just just this concept of we have all this data now can we apply it in a way that that is predictive and helps us make good decisions in the field and that certainly is exciting to me because it's it's uh the application of this information is going to be so critical to maintaining food production and 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 profitability in farming systems so yeah. um it's a great answer i love it and i think I think we all should be excited about, you know, utilizing this data to help us. Um, Andrew, why don't you lead us uh, lead us into today's discussion?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad someone rec- recommended you to come on here, uh, Dr. Medeiros, because you know I- I'm thinking back, you know, wh- whether it's corn or soybeans. You know, we deal with with Pythium in both corn and soybeans. We ha- we have Phytophthora in in, in soybeans. And so, you know, you kind of, your specialty is, is looking at those, oh, my seats. And, and, you know, I, I just think back to, as I was prepping for this, I think back to 2021 and we had, and actually even 2020, you know, we had such dry conditions in 2020 and and then, and yet we still had severe root rot with, with a lot of soybeans and, and, corn. And then I remember 2021, we had, we were, we were extremely dry during planting and yet we probably had the worst, the worst year. That that I've ever seen with root rot and soybeans, and we had so many answers, or, or such to say, so many questions that were just unanswered. And you know, trying to think is is it is it Fusarium brigulaformi, root rot? Is it is it Pythium? Is it Phytophthora? And there was just like, like I said, I think I feel like we we just know so little about root rot diseases and, and pathogens compared to foliar. You know, it's it's just so much easier to study foliar diseases. And I think there's just so many and, and a prime example would be we had Tamra Jackson Zims on here talking about crown rot. And you know, we 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 know that we know f- we have far more questions that we need answered than than we actually have answers. And so I'm I'm glad that we're having on having you on here to discuss oomycete pathogens and and you know, root rots of, of corn and soy. And so and so I figure we'd start with um, haven't you described what, what is an oomycete? You know, we all have to talk about bacterial, viral, fungal diseases, but here here we start talking with root rots and we have this other class, uh, oomycetes.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm glad you asked that that often <laughs> comes up, but um, the thing with oomycetes is that they look like fungi, uh, they have these uh, filamentous type of growth, and uh, many of them are able to cause plant diseases. On that, they Resemble fungi. On the other hand, um, well, they are on a totally different kingdom from from the fungi. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we, we we all know that whales are not fish, right? Even though they have <laughs> fins, dolphins, <laughs> right? They, they live in that's the perfect. water and they have fins, right? But they are not fish. And, uh, I've with never with heard, heard my that. My Nadja, f- I love that. I've,
0: I've never. <laughs> it's, it, but see, that's so good to me, right? Like for me, that's so valuable because, like, you you guys have. A far broader understanding, <laughs> so that's a perfect parallel. I appreciate
2: that. Yeah, no, it's like and and all mices and, and and fungi are even farther apart than 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 whales and fish, right? So <laughs> it, that's where I wanted to go. And so, but um, the, the, the thing is that these all mices are more closely related to brown algae and even to plants that they are uh, to fungi. Fungi are actually a little bit close, more closely related to animals, and that has some practical implications right because so the cell walls of oomycetes are different than the cell walls of fungi uh, the cell walls of oomycetes look uh, have more similarity with with cell walls of plants so that's why some uh, when we come to treat with fungicides some of the fungicides that are effective against uh, uh, fungi are, are not going to be effective against oomycetes at mm. all and like uh, I, I had an experience with this back um, after I graduated from my undergrad. I, I, I worked for a little bit on farm management, and we had this disease, and we kept spraying it with fungicides. This was horticultural, so we were spraying every week, basically, but um, and nothing was happening. We were just we had misdiagnosed the disease, and then uh, it was actually an oomycite. And, and and no matter how much uh, of, of the fungi we we were put, nothing was going to happen. We were just spraying it with water and making its life easier there. <laughs> <laughs> you were just making it happier. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, and then the, the, the same is opposite, right? So th- some things that are very good for uh, myces to control mice are not going to be very, very good for fungi. And this goes into the, the issue of like the seedling blights, right? So with seedling blights, we have so many um uh, pathogens there involved. We have many, many species of PT we have the phytopteras and, and then we have the fungi, the the true fungi, we have the fusariums or rhizoctonias that that are gonna be able to also cause seedling blights. So uh, it 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 that's why it's a difficult problem right now, uh with the seedling blights. Yep. Mm.
0: Nope. I have a couple questions swirling in my mind, but they're not, I don't have clarity enough to ask them yet. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll auger in. When, when we think about, um, uh, Pythium and Phytophthora, um, Pythium and corn, Pythium and Phytophthora and soybeans, the, the corn belt is pushing earlier planted soybeans, right? We, we, yeah. we see a, a correlation to yield, um, in soybeans. And we're not really delaying corn planting to do that, right? We've just started planting soybeans earlier. So, talk us through a little bit around just conditions that favor these these particular pathogens.
2: Well, yeah, it's, uh, the the it seems like this uh, cold planting really favors uh, things such as Pythium, right? Uh, especially Pythium and uh, on on soybean. Um, That's why I think one of the main recommendations now, and and I completely agree with that, like early planted soybeans should always have a a seed treatment because um, it seems like part of the the reason is that the soybean plant will grow slower, especially if it's still very colder. And then um, when they are... uh, uh, small those those first uh, few weeks uh, uh first uh, few days actually of 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 growth of the of the soybean plant they seem to have some uh, uh tiny openings in the roots where that pythium is able to take advantage of right so it, and and uh, there's so many species of pythium some uh, are uh well uh adapted to cold temperatures and uh, they will be happy uh, under those conditions, especially if they have uh, baby soybeans to infect. Um, so, um, well, that that definitely favors uh, the PTM, the, uh, the, the, those, uh, uh, those cold temperatures. And in addition, well... It, Bithium and Phytophthora are um, very happy under wet conditions. So if there is uh, water uh, on the fields, there is a lot of rain, if we have a wet spring, that will that will definitely favor Bithium and Phytophthora just because they have these suospors that swim in the water. So the more humidity, the more it's able to spread around, right? Um, um, That's the, one thing that condition- always
1: fascinated me with with the Oomycetes, oh, you know, picturing I always picture them like tadpoles, right? So they they can go off. They produce those zoospores, and that that's what separates. You know what? They often call them, call them water molds, right? Yeah. And, and it's yes. because they have a, a form of sexual um, reproduction where where they can produce those zoospores, and it looks like little tadpoles that, that swim around. Yeah, and yeah so yeah, that's I why it's it's pretty cool.
2: <clears throat> just like just like yeah, <laughs> other pathogens will produce conidia that that are able to like duplicate themselves really rapidly right so clone themselves like oh mice is when there is water they can do the same but 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 send them swimming right so and it's like you're right they are like tiny 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 uh tadpoles that, that and and now not only that they are like we we know that like once they are swimming they detect where the soybean plant is, and then go for the soybean plant, and and, and uh, to try to infect it. Yeah, right, so.
0: it's 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 funny because when you're talking to scientists and pathologists, you use terms like it's cool <laughs> and as a farmer i'm like i strongly disagree <laughs> I, I do I, not I think it's cool it's,
2: it's something it's something we fail along. with. Like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah like. andrew andrew will ask our guests like what's your favorite disease and i'm like the one that's not in my field like you know i mean that's that's my favorite disease but
2: um i'm glad you reminded me that, of that because I, I try to control myself uh, when i'm in the field or in the farmer's field and not be happy when i see a disease yeah this is amazing. <laughs> No, it's still, like, we spend a lot of time studying them and then like it's actually not easy to get disease in the laboratory so when we go and see it in its natural form and like it's hard to contain that <laughs> smile but uh yeah uh, i was thank you for reminding me We've not I, seen this is terrible
0: i was listening to uh andrew and allison and robertson we were driving down highway 30 and you were directing her to a field and i can't remember what disease in it but they were like so excited <laughs> I'm like i'm like no we shouldn't be pumped about this but anyways yeah uh, your 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 point really leads us into um you know into our question which would be how what are these pathogens attracted to what what how, how do they know i mean how do they know to go to the to the soybean how are they finding the roots what what is it that's causing that That attraction.
2: Well, that's that's a great question. You're gonna you just put me on the spot because I don't remember the technical name exactly of the compound that attracts them, but uh, it is a um, it is a a, so all plants release. Several compounds, some organics uh, that diffuse into the air, some are are, are just diffused with water, right? And um, the soybean, uh, the soybean dust, this too, right? So, but but um, yeah, so the 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 are able to detect those compounds and approach towards the largest gradient of those compounds, uh, and and once they are on the soybean plant, they are. They will insist and, and penetrate into the root. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Well, let's talk. Let's talk about host resistance to these these pathogens. You know, whenever we start talking these diseases, I think it's fascinating to talk about how plants respond. So, so let, let's run through the process of of how I how does a plant detect a pathogen? So, say you know, and, and let's talk about you know these oomycetes in particular. So, how, how does a plant respond once it um, you know detects a, a say Pythium or orphophthora approaching well, its root yeah. system?
2: That, that that's that's uh, a great question, and there is a lot of um, effort into understanding that, and and it actually it seems to be very similar between um, how the plant responds to uh, not only oh uh, mice and fungi, but also how they respond to um, nematodes, for example. So yeah. uh, the plant has its own immune system, and that's. Um, what uh, helps with the defense and and keeping all these other organisms at bay, right? So plants have this amazing ability. That's why we all like them, that they can uh, (laughs) fix uh, food out of the air, basically, right? So they are fixing carbon out of the air using solar energy. They are amazing, right? (laughs) So um, uh, what happens is that any... uh, Pathogen or not pathogen, let's say uh, an oomycete that lands on a plant or, or 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 is in contact with a plant will start penetrating into it. Will start uh, uh, growing uh, and uh, cells into the plant to try to capture that uh, um, that food, uh, those carbohydrates, that food. And then, uh, if the plant is able to detect that organism, it will. Do many things. It, it, it will like it, it will uh, reinforce the cell walls, for example, and it will start producing some compounds that are usually not good for any organism that will be around there. So it will start triggering a defense, and that usually does what we call uh, the non-host resistance, that first layer of defense. This this could happen if let's say we put phytophthora soji on corn, right? So that that will be a non-host resistance, and it's um very effective and like it stops it completely right so we, we never talk about Phytophthora soji infecting corn yeah. and and uh, it's not a problem at all um now if it is a pathogen uh, a good pathogen uh, of corn or like in the right host if we have Phytophthora soji in 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 soybean what it does is that the pathogen secretes a lot of proteins that what they do is interfere with that first layer of, of resistance. It will uh, um, render that uh, that recognition obsolete. It will uh, either obscure the fact that the pathogen is the patterning is there, or it will uh, disrupt that first layer of defense in some other way. Um, so then you have the disease again, right? So you have a, a a case of disease. If in addition to that, that let's say now a soybean variety with a resistance gene. In many cases, what these genes is recognize that those secreted proteins from the from the OMIC that uh, that were disrupting the defense, they will recognize that that protein, and then they will trigger another layer of defense. In this case, which which usually is the the um, uh, hypersensitive response, or it, it yeah. kind of triggers the the self destruct bottom uh, in a specific cell, and then uh, in this case, it could. Uh, uh, if it is phytopherosogic, it will uh, disrupt the ability to the, of the pathogen to to infect very effectively, right? So if it recognized that uh, pathogenesis uh, mechanism, uh, that pathogenesis protein there. Now of course pathogens have the ability also to vary, so in some cases they will drop that. Uh, what they could do to cause disease again is drop that um, that one compound that was being recognized and then... It, it, the, it has the ability to cause disease again so that's kind of the current understanding of how this uh whole thing works and uh, well it's it's there's a lot of more specificity for each one of of, of the of these interactions right so we're, we're talking uh, uh, Phytophthora in this case but uh but uh, um, uh, people have identified some of these proteins very uh, uh, with a lot of detail in some cases right yeah. but 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 in some cases we don't know much and we just follow the general model in this case yeah, yeah. You,
1: you started giving me flashbacks to one of my favorite classes in in grad school and and I remember I I, had, I would have to give a shout out to Dr. Steve Woodham at, at Iowa State and he was he's a virologist and and I remember we we started you know it it kind of uh st- Kickstarted the, pa- the the passion I have for studying virology and, and just understanding it I'm, I'm by far no no molecular person
2: <laughs> I'm, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm one of those just field pathologists but uh I remember I was just fascinated at when you start talking about like pamp triggered immunity in the in the HR response and I, th- I think it's just fascinating to understand the receptors and all the stuff within a plant that can detect a plant pathogen, how a plant pathogen will respond to overcome that plant trying to defend itself against a disease. You know, I can think back, we we had Marty Chilvers on here talking about, you know, tar spot and, and how plants respond susceptible versus resistant varieties. And we got into the whole arms arms race of, of a pathogen versus a plant. And it, it's it's really cool and, and fascinating, I think, to think about that. Because, you know, whenever I'm talk, out, out talking with the growers, you know, I always, I always run through the process of a spore landing on a leaf, how that, plant detects it you know whether you're resistant or susceptible i th- i just think it's really cool but it kind of leads into my question you know you, you kind of gave us a, a really good run through of how a plant responds how, how is that response different in a resistant versus a susceptible variety or hybrid
2: well yeah it, de- it will depend on which um, uh, on which uh, plant or a specific system we're talking about but in general if we're talking about for example phytophthora soji and soybean, right, where we have some resistance genes that have been identified, been deployed even in, in the field for many years, right? Um, so the presence of this R gene uh, in some way or another is, rec- is either recognizing those effectors, those those pathogenesis proteins that the, that the OMIC is producing or it is um, recognizing the effect of it, of them, right? Yep. So if, if if it recognizes that um the the first layer of immunity has been disrupted says well there is something uh wrong here so uh we're gonna trigger the HR um you know, so that that happens if the resistance gene is there but if it is not there so it's not gonna happen and you you have the the disease right nope. so uh, so th- there is there is this uh th- this thing with with the with this uh resistance or single gene resistance that uh, it, it kind of, affects this second layer of, of resistance, right? Not that, not that non-host resistance that we were talking about uh, at the very beginning. Um, that's the general understanding there, but uh, yeah, it it, it, it varies and, and people are still trying to elucidate exactly how this happens, right? I, I, I'm not... Um, Complete. I'm, I'm kind of in between the the molecular people and the applied people like not not uh, I wouldn't call myself a pure molecular another not a pure field person here yeah. I'm kind of in that translational space uh trying to uh, to to understand both things and bringing things from from that realm into the applied field yeah
0: it's fascinating to think about like just the the constant state of change, you know, you're out scouting and you're walking by this constant state of change and battle going on that you can't see with the naked eye. It's it's fascinating to think about that. Does the plant respond um, differently if there is a pathogen infection in the roots versus, say, on the leaf tissue?
2: Th- that is... A question that I've been trying to understand for a while. I remember we wrote a grant about that a couple of years ago and need to resubmit it because, uh, we the I don't know that uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, and it goes back to something that you were saying earlier before, right? So, we know a lot more about what happens with, with, uh, Pathogens, foliar pathogens. Then, what happens with yep. root pathogens? And and it's it's just harder to work with roots. You have to dig the plant out. You have to yeah, you got to do work, have, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: you, can't you can't just to do get, phenotyping. Yeah, <laughs> get the
2: get the, get the, yeah, and or or you put them on artificial media, right? Those plants, and then you have to uh, uh, um, yeah, the, things under artificial media or hydroponics are not necessarily the same that's happening in uh, in the field, right? So. Yeah um, but i I am very curious. I mean if, if we have these pathogens as uh pythium that is only able to infect roots, it seems, right but but is able to infect many roots, corn, soybean, even soybean uh, yeah uh, wheat uh, etc., right uh, then we have Phytophthora soji is able to infect roots and stems. But nothing else, right? So this one wouldn't infect other other crops. We then we have fusarium a f- a fungi, right? That is able to infect all sorts of roots. We again, uh, corn, uh, soybean, uh, wheat, uh, and it it's also able to infect the the flowers uh, of corn like with the ear rot, and it's yep. also able to infect the uh, causes fusarium head blight, right? A huge issue with wheat. Yep. Um, so, what is I wonder what is similar? What uh, what are the similarities between the root tissue and the flower tissue that allows fusarium to infect those two, but not the leaves, right? So we never talk about a fusarium infection on the leaves. Um, so I don't think we know exactly what's going. What are the complete difference? There is obviously some differences on the tissue composition right so, uh, like the tissues look different the root um, you know it has that cortex that is completely different from the leaf tissue but um yeah i'm 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 wondering if there is uh, if there is more to that and something that we could learn and and use it for for managing some of these diseases
0: yeah i, I also be... wonder about prioritization in terms of you know the 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 stage of the plant whether it's Corner uh, soybeans in in vegetative state is it going to prioritize a root response versus a leaf tissue response? And sense. as you switch yep, into you know a higher emphasis on sunlight capture, would it prioritize a response to leaf tissue versus the yeah. roots? And
1: that's that's probably, all, probably all ties in with the unknowns, right? We we would assume that if you're vegetative, it would focus more on sugars and energy going to the roots, right? Versus one, once you hit reproductive stages, but I think that would be that would definitely fit fit within your Maybe we have some ideas, but we don't quite know, right?
2: That That's right. We, th- there's a lot more to study in that area. Like, I spent a couple years of my life studying <laughs> f- stalk rots. And uh, with, with fusarium, for example, on corn, that, that, well, fusarium does infect the roots. And even on healthy-looking corn, you can get some isolates of fusarium out of it. But then you get... Um, uh, towards the end of the season, it seems like go haywire and like get really aggressive uh, in some cases and start going through the stem of of the corn plant. Yeah. Um, and uh, w- w- at the time that that there is this switch right towards the 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 fruit, the the ear being the sink of the of, of the nutrients. So yeah. um, I don't think that's very well understood either, and 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 there is uh, a lot a lot to learn from that. I don't, remember, I don't remember
0: I don't remember if it was um Dr. Chilvers or if it was um our conversation with Darcy Tolanko, but talking about how Tarspot seems to have an understanding of the plant approaching its its Seneschal. physiological senescence and then the disease knows to you know, to start just releasing a ton of yeah. spores. And it's like, it overtakes it's just the... so terrifying, you know, <laughs> to think about like a, a pathogen that that's that intelligent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if intelligence is the right <laughs> word, but but that understands that. That, physiological. that Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean... It's like the, it's pretty cool perfect, stuff. It's not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, <It's> terrified. <laughs> so, Santiago,
1: uh, let's I, I remember another thing that kind of leads to this ne- next question. You know, you start talking the fitness costs, you know, plants have this immune system. They can detect, they they can produce secondary metabolites and, and different, you know, things to try and manage or combat that 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 pathogen in in the infection. I remember just just starting to learn and understand that with 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 Dr. Whittem at Iowa State. Do, do we have any grasp yet on on the fitness cost of uh, associated with with plant ho- you know the host resistance? Because cause yeah, I would yeah. think just thinking about that, you know, thinking about corn and soybeans specifically, I mean, or any plant, you know, to to upregulate and and sense that you you would think there would be a fitness cost associated
2: with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's an important question. Also, with a lot of applied. Uh, impact right so because uh plant breeding goes into selecting for more uh, higher yielding yeah. varieties and and if they start uh selecting for more resistant varieties that if, if it has a cost to it uh, right having more uh uh it will <laughs> decrease yield right so if 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 it is costing the the plant too much but one of the things is that well, when we're looking at it from the more molecular level, it seems to be very induced the resistance, right? So it it first there has to be some sort of sensing, and then that sensing triggers some sort of response from the uh, from the plant. So ideally, there is is that way, right? So if it is an induced type of resistance, um, um, I think the cost might be uh, minor. Now that with also, we have to keep in mind that like we're talking about corn soybeans that are, well, corn even more, right? So corn is a very domesticated plant, that what yeah. we grow around here. Yep. <laughs> Highly domesticated, right? So um, we, we've already affected the fitness of, of the corn plant to favor our, our, our needs, right? So it's, it's more of an, an, um, an issue of uh, can we uh, select corn plants that are high-yielding and resistant at the same time? I think that is 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 very much possible, especially with these induced types of resistance, right? so that that wouldn't uh, get yelled uh, too far down. Um, but yeah, it, it it is it it ought to have uh, some sort of cost if it is not an induced uh, system. If it is all the time expressing all these defense mechanisms, uh, it's gonna mess up the plant.
1: yeah, yeah. So as we continue to talk about you know host resistance, the, these different signaling pathways, you know PAMP triggered immunity. Um, I, I remember just hearing about it, and I can't remember any of it, nor do I know anything about it. <laughs> but I know there there's uh, we ha- we have uh, I'll, I'll say technology where we can in certain crop species, and if I remember correctly, maybe orange tree, uh, or citrus trees would be a, a good example. But we have we have situations where we can induce host. Resistance to kind of prepare the plant for a disease. Like if we know a disease is going to impact a plant or infect it, we can kind of apply a treatment to induce host, you know, induce resistance. Are are you familiar with any plant species where we would use that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, there there is this product. um, What is the active ingredient? Acid benzolar uh, that has been in in the market for for a few decades now, and it's it's labeled for horticultural. crops i believe and uh, I've, I've seen some research recently coming from um, brazil on soybean because well they have to deal with this um uh, with soybean rust which is a, a big problem for them yeah. uh, and uh, so they're looking always for some sort of alternatives and trying to put something like uh, if since is something adding uh, something like that that will trigger the plant immune systems uh, uh, would help uh, with major pathogens um, I mean, you, now, but but this goes also back to your previous question. Like with these products, I do see uh, when I uh, I haven't worked with them in many years. But but when I used to, they, they did ha- used to have a, a little bit of a, a a cost, right? So the the plants do seem affected, and like yeah. uh, when they when they start just trying to defend themselves all the time. So there might be a cost associated when we start doing these um, products that just trigger. Defenses, no matter whether the pathogen is there or not. Because yeah. you know, these other defense that we were talking about is is it's something that works at the cellular level, so it's it's very specific, right? So a, f- a few cells get affected and that's it. But if we apply a product to the whole plant, every single cell in yeah. the plant is going to be reacting, right? So it it, it it I think it gets more complicated. It will have to be something more specific, right? So just like perhaps something that primes the plant. To, uh, to react uh, yeah. under very small uh, conditions. But I think in that case, we're better off with, with genetic resistance, right? So mm-hmm. if, if it's already in the genes, it will work that way, right? So it, it, if it's uh, something that recognizes the pathogen, it will be induced and uh, uh, it will be effective. So I, I, I'm a big, big fan of genetic resistance in yeah. general because of that.
0: You mentioned the advancement of technology. As you are continuing your research on the signaling pathways and the interactions between these pathogens and the plants, I guess over the next you know decade, how how are you hoping your findings get used? What what's what's your hope to to uh, have be the outcome of the research?
2: Well, it's, it's, I was thinking. Like, I I am very curious about understanding more about the genetics of the pathogen, right? So we don't know that much about what are the weapons. When I was saying the pathogen starts growing into the plant and starts releasing uh, its proteins, there is hundreds of of, of compounds that go in there, right? And we know about a few of those, but not about most of them. What right. what is what is what are the weapons that our enemy has there, right? So another thing is like knowing these compounds could also help us uh, identify the pathogen, right? If if uh, even before it's it's a problem. I've always had this dream that we have like uh, some sport traps out in the field, and then they can detect. Oh, this is a pathogen that it could be a problem with our specific variety, right? But uh, to do that we will we'll have to know the pathogen arrived a eh, that that right. we can do already right with these sport traps but uh is it a dangerous right is it is it coming armed with all these weapons that could make it a problem for us so i, I think that's that's where i will i will see this, this uh knowledge on 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 the pathogen variants could could go into in in the future mm. so
0: It's exciting to think about the predictive modeling and the ability to collect some of that information in real time, instead of, uh, I guess, looking backwards and and talking about what happened. But but. you—you really got me thinking. I mean, what if ten to fifteen
1: years from now we had the technology, we could identify all the the proteins, effectors, everything associated with specific races or or populations within a disease, and then what if we had the knowledge and technology to any variety or hybrid out there to take a, a A quick tissue test, or run a DNA analysis. You know, run it through PCR or something, and and we could detect is this specific variety or hybrid susceptible, right? Does it have the mechanisms to overcome? And we could just instantly do that versus years of research. In in
2: exactly, I think that's where where we should aspire to go, right? And and think that like really get into this precision plant disease management, right? Because there is like. There's the precision agriculture that it's improved tremendously because of the ability of what tractors can yeah. do nowadays, right? But but with plant disease management, we don't have that. Right? We're just still spraying from the airplane, or, yep. uh, and uh, but knowing that, like knowing uh, or, or or genetics, we already have that information with, from the um, with the plant genetics. It could be done before the variety is out yeah. there, and and and. Uh, um, we're just probably not exploiting it all the way yet, yeah. uh, because we we could know which genes are deployed, right? So, but but what we are still lacking is what are the pathogen variants out there, right? So where they are, and 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 is the combination of this uh, variety, plant variety, with this uh, pathogen variant going to be a problem or not? Yeah. Right? So uh, probably we, we could already know. Um, like at flowering time, well, are we gonna to have to go spray it or or corn or well, this is not doesn't seem that much of a problem, right? Yeah. So that that would be the precision disease management that yeah. that we should go towards.
1: And and I love that train of thought too, because you know, just in the last few years we've we've got the technology to run a DNA analysis on our soil, right? right. And, and Sean and I have had a number of conversations of, of the benefits. And I feel like yeah. we're not quite there to it's cool information. But we're not quite there to actually be able to use that that data, but long term as as I think about how this technology could be used, you know what if what if in, in five to ten years we could run that DNA analysis, look at all the good and the bad we'll call it, we'll call them cooties in honor of darren Mueller <laughs> the the good and the bad stuff, fungi bacteria in the soil, and what if we could relate that back to the genetics that we're planting and and what that relationship is so I yeah. think it's you got to start somewhere right but i think I think yeah. thinking down the road where we want to go kind of helps you get to that point right and, and establish what you need to do to get there
0: I've, i know i've felt that way about just data in general because we've debated the the value of the soil D- dna process and to me we have to have a library to ask a question right otherwise we don't have the data to ask the question of so even though we're not necessarily ready to deploy based on that information it's i i believe starting to collect that is going to be really valuable but um Dr. Medeiros, as we wrap up the science portion of uh, part one, um, is there anything you want to add to this discussion um, uh, on, on the science side? Part two, we'll, we'll discuss, you know, practical management, but um, on the science side,
2: anything to add? Um, no, I think I'm I'm good for now. Let's see how we how we do on the on the practical side, and then maybe <laughs> maybe that will trigger some some other thoughts from the science. <laughs> well,
0: I I uh, I appreciate the in depth look at it, and um, you know just just helping us understand what we're talking about. So we'll we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up part one. We'll be back with part two. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of A Penny for Your Thoughts. We love your feedback. Please email us at a at gmail.com. That's a penny the number four, your thoughts at gmail.com, or reach out to Andrew and I on our social media. Thank you for tuning in.